Hey everybody, this is Macintosh. Just wanted to let you know that the second part of our podcast today discusses the movie It. And while we were doing it, um, there's really no good way to discuss the movie and stuff around it without uh, giving away the ending and spoiling it. So, if you are planning on seeing It and you don't want spoilers, um, you should go ahead and listen to our review of American Pie and then skip through the end of the episode. Um, and then come back to it later once you've gotten a chance to see the movie. But just just as a heads up for everyone, there's lots of spoilers for it this episode. All right, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David. A.K.A. Macintosh. And I'm Diana, A.K.A. Mod. What are we watching this week? Okay, we made David watch American Pie. Mm-hmm. This 1999 teen classic. Yep. Okay. <laughs> the synopsis from IMDb is... Four teenage boys enter a pack to lose their virginity by prom night. It's directed by Paul Weiss, Chris Weiss, and written by Adam Hertz. Or Hertz. Hers. I mean, the Weitz brothers, I looked up the the IMDb credits for them. They went on to do mostly, like, dramas. Oh, they did About a Boy. About a Boy and In Good Company and... Ooh, they're going to produce The Husband's Secret, um, which is... uh... Well, they've each they've each split off a little bit, so that's one thing. the The directing credits are probably the easiest one to look at for them. Um, like Chris White's did Golden Compass. He did that movie with that. Um, oh, he was a writer for Rogue One. And then directing, he directed that movie. The biggest thing he did was that one with I I can't remember the guy's name. Um, had an Oscar. It was about an undocumented immigrant. I don't, I don't know. All right. So, yeah, this movie came out in 1999. I was 15, turning 16. Uh, so, yeah, I was the perfect age for this. It's really just a bunch of teenagers talking about having sex. Yep. And relationships. And that's really all that was going on in my group in high school. So I was in middle school still. Mm-hmm. I was not of an appropriate age to see this movie. Correct. Um, and therefore, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since then, I, it just hadn't come around. I mean, I don't... I, th- I think, honestly, if there was a movie that was going to describe more of a high school type experience for me even though really I was never anywhere near this type of high school experience because I was the dork who hid in his room and never really hung out with Your people outside. Your high school movie is Rocket Science. My high school movie is Rocket Science. However if we were talking about a crazy party high school movie uh-huh. that more fit my personality it's super bad. That is probably more me but these conversations were more me. <laughs> from this movie. So, and and this is maybe where I'll start with it. I expected this movie to be super bad. Oh, yeah, it's definitely not. And it's more dazed and confused. 
and that's and that's where I sort of jumped in with it. I was expecting it to be a ridiculous, over the top comedy, and it's not. And it's not. It's it's very much just a true teenage story. It's very much an update to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I know you've never seen. Right. Um, which is on our list. We're going to do it later this fall. Um, I, I'll be interested to know. I think you will probably love that one compared to this one. Well, so I, so we can start there. I initially, as soon as we got done with the movie, first of all, throughout the whole thing, I registered a couple of chuckles mm-hmm. and left it going, that sucked. And so that was, initially, that's where mm-hmm. I sat with it. Yeah. Then I sat and chewed on it more. Mm-hmm. And thought about it more. And listened to some Blink-182. <laughs> and I started to realize, I was like, oh no, this was what high school was like. And what I realized was, the reason that I don't think I liked it was because I was expecting way more of a comedy than it actually is. Correct. I And because of that, I mi- I was missing the far more the actual subtlety that there is in this movie yeah there is actually some subtlety and some maturity in there despite (laughs) the obvious hijinks it's an incredibly immature story totally i mean yeah but i will also add that none of the sight gags really made me laugh that much and that's probably because I got used to watching things like Superbad and 21 Jump Street. And, you know, unscrambled porn. <laughs> well. Okay, so let's be clear. Okay, this is 1999. So they're being relatively, not completely, but relatively explicit in that they're talking about sex and blowjobs and... Cunnilingus. Well, if you if you look if you look at the trivia, it took them four tries to get an R rating on this movie. Yeah. It was NC seventeen the entire time until they got enough cut out that they were able to release it as an R. Yeah, this would this would still be an R. Oh yes, but it would be a light R. Yeah, the NC seventeen rated one, the unrated version would probably be considered an R today. Yeah, um, just because this isn't a big deal anymore. But back then, it definitely was. Like, I remember... My biggest reason for wanting to see this movie, aside from just curiosity, was the fact that Blink-182, which was my favorite band all through junior high and the beginning of high school, makes a cameo in this. And that's what I wanted to see, because I am in love with Marcus Allen Hoppus. That's just a thing. And can I say, they had maybe one of the best cameos in the entire thing. Go trick boy. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Um, I think I saw this four times in the theater. But it was at the Dollar Theater because they didn't check ID. Yeah. That was the other thing I noticed from the trivia was this came out roughly around the same time as South Park, mm-hmm. Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. And together, they were the two... They, th- during that period, it was... It was the most theaters had ever seen of underage kids, kids trying to get into theaters. Yeah, because I remember before, like, if you weren't old enough to see a movie, but your parent went with you and said, yeah, my kid can see it. Like, some theaters made your parents sign the ticket or whatever because they purchased it, but most of them didn't care. But when this movie came out, it became a big freaking deal. Like, a lot of movie theaters had to, like, 
really hit home you have to show ID at the door you have to have an adult with you like it became a much bigger deal then. which is which is funny in retrospect because now I feel like you should be under the age of 17 to really connect with this movie oh absolutely you should be about 15 or 16 to really hit the sweet spot of what this movie has to say you could be 17 or 18 too yeah but it's 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 meant to be viewed by somebody in high school. And I also think if they made this movie today, they would have had at least one adult who was cool. Like, they would have one good exemplary parent. Because there were no parents in this movie. I mean, there's, there's one parent, but he's a joke. Yeah. Eugene Levy is amazing. He got to, if you look at some of the trivia on IMDb, he was allowed to ad-lib a lot of his dialogue. To which there's at least one near flub still in the cut yeah where you can see jason biggs trying so hard not to not just give away and okay jason biggs has not moved on from this franchise i will i will say he was not allowed to move on from he was not he was not allowed to let's be clear but i want to say that this was his big breakout and he went for it. He's really good in this movie. He really, he's really good in the whole series. I would, I mean, honestly, I almost want to make you watch American Pie two because I like that one better. I think you would relate to that one better because they, it's it's college. It's it's college. It's the next year. Yeah. And it's kind of it's. I think it would address some more things. That's what. That well, like. some of that. That's why I had to sit and chew on it a lot because I started to think about. I didn't have this high school experience. I mean, my high school experience was. A lot. It, it just it wasn't it wasn't that Very it wasn't tame. tame. And I mean, this is this is obviously blown out of proportion. So it's not like this yes. is this is a super realistic vision of what it was like in high school. But I was I didn't go to parties. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't hang out with cliques of people. Mm-hmm. I I did theater and I loved doing theater and hanging around at that time. But then I would go home and do my homework. <clears throat> And that's what I did because I like being in my room watching yeah. watching cable or doing nothing by myself. I had a key to the high school. <laughs> my boyfriend was twenty. <laughs> you lived this movie. Um, there are some experiences in this movie that I I relate to. <laughs> are you going to elaborate on which ones? Or are you going to leave that a secret? to protect the, the guilty including myself <laughs> um yeah <laughs> i don't need to elaborate so where do you want to go with this okay um okay we've talked about we like jason biggs who else in the cast did you really like because it's a big cast <sighs> shit brick is amazing shit brick which is paul finch is played by eddie k thomas he's had a lot of tv success he hasn't done a whole lot of movies I, I haven't seen, you know... He was He's had a couple of different things. Yeah, he was on Scorpion on TV. He does a lot... Of, he's done some voice work on American Dad. <sighs> I mean, we don't we don't have to scroll through all the IMDb I'm, credits. I'm not, but he's not one that I... He's, he's just been a working actor. Um, of course, Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy's great. He put... He's... Every scene he's in, he's amazing. And what's funny is... 
this pegged this pegged him for a while as a guy who constantly went over the top. But what's so funny is he's not over the top in this movie. He's very subtle, which is great. What's what's funny about his character as the dad is that he is the dad who doesn't want his son to be embarrassed about sex or masturbating. Because almost every time Eugene Levy walks into his son's room, his son's doing something sexual. And something bizarrely sexual. Bizarre. And so he's he's he does not have the he does not have the vocabulary to speak to his son about this. So he buys his son porn man. And he just makes it worse. Yeah, it's it's very funny. But it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 sweet. Um, and then, I mean, you can't you can't let Stifler go. This was his first movie, Sean William Scott. I saw that he he got eight thousand dollars for this movie. Now he's more than made up for it. Oh, absolutely. But it, that's just amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think his other movie that is just to die for amazing is Dude, Where's My Car. <laughs> And that movie is so stupid, but it is great. It, it, it is. That is a great a piece of work. That's uh, a great popcorn movie. It is indescribable as a film. I don't think that you can accurately describe the plot of that movie, other than two guys who are completely drunk and stoned lose their car. Yeah, they go. These two stoner dudes try to find their car. They lost it. It's like the really dumb version. Of the Big Lebowski. No. But it's awesome. Okay. We also have to talk about Allison Hannigan. This was in the middle of Buffy. Or we'll write after two years into Buffy. She's fine. She is fine. She doesn't have a big, big role. But this was really fun for her. She gets better parts later. I believe. Because she's such... She's a much more central character. She is a much bigger deal. And she she has a lot more to do and that's, with the next one. And that's where I sort of, that's where I really started to see parallels to like Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. Where you had these very memorable characters, but they've only each got a little bit of screen time. It's very specifically intended to be an ensemble. Yes, and that's, that's definitely... And each person gets equal time. Mm-hmm. No, There's no real central focus of the movie. What about Thomas Ian Nicholas? Uh-uh. My name is a mouthful. He's a generic human. Oh, he was in Rookie of the Year? Yeah, that's who he was. He was Okay. He was one of like the anchor performers for this movie. Because he was grown up. Crazy. I totally had a little crush on him when he was in Rookie of the Year. Because I thought he was just adorable. I mean He's grown up very I'm well. I'm gonna say everybody everybody else in the movie is fine. Fine. It's really those those three Jennifer Coolidge shows up as Stifler's mom, but there's there's not enough meat to that scene to make it worth it. True, but this has also helped give Natasha Leone a little bit of a push. Yeah, fair, this, but I, I feel like she's kind of weak. Um, I don't feel like her performance is that great. She's very generic in this film. Yeah. Because she's, she's, she's a secondary character. This also introduced us to Mina Savari. Did it? I feel like this came... American Beauty it, came out at the same time. They, it did because everyone was calling her the Ameri- America, American girl because she was in American Beauty and American Pie. Which she wasn't <laughs> in yeah. any way based on based on both of these movies. Well, they're two very different characters. I know. So <laughs> um, that introduced us to her. This is Tara Reid's probably the only movie she's done where she's not horrible and before she got really, really alcoholic. Um... <laughs> Poor Tara Reid. Uh, why? 
she's, she's had a Lindsay Lohan of a time. <laughs> uh, you know more about this stuff than I do. I, I got nothing. Bit. And then Chris Klein is, meh, he's lame. Yeah, and he's been lame for his entire he's career. He's always been lame. He's, he, he's a, the good-looking jock guy. He's not even that good-looking. But he's the fourth-rate version of that. Yeah, I would say uh, Stifler's more attractive. Yeah. But yeah. No, I mean, it's it's Jason Biggs, Sean William Scott, Eugene Levy, mm-hmm. and Shitbrick gets a nod for me because he's, he's fully fleshed out as a character. Yes. And, of course, there's Shannon Elizabeth. The girl who gets naked and everything. <laughs> Actually, funny, funny enough, I, reading the trivia, yeah. she did a Playboy spread right after, and then after that, she refused to be nude in anything else. Yep. Said it was the worst decision of her entire career. Didn't, uh, the Playboy cover, not this. No, I know, but I'm trying to remember. Did she show up in another teen movie? Another one I haven't seen. Okay, that one's great. Yes. I love that movie. Not another teen movie. It's hilarious and a wonderful send-up. Of, they go after this one a lot, but it's this, She's All That... Varsity haven't Blues seen so so and, every and 90s jawbreaker. every 90s high school movie you haven't seen any of them no <laughs> okay hold on you haven't seen she's all that nope this is a problem <laughs> this is a big big problem yeah i started i started looking at high school movies imdb had some sort of serious thing and i was like oh oh no where's my pen <laughs> she's all that <laughs> Varsity Blues. Nope. You don't need to see that one. <laughs> that one's lame. You've seen the scene that everyone talks about, the whipped cream scene. No, I haven't. You've seen pictures. It doesn't matter. Um, okay. Jawbreaker. No. Okay, you need to see Jawbreaker. I know I need to see Jawbreaker. I've seen parts of Jawbreaker, and I might have watched it once the whole way really through. really dark. Yeah, I know why. That's why I was interested in it. Okay. And then, have you se- You haven't seen Heathers, right? Nope. So remember when we talked about genres that I was bad on? And this I thought is the it, one that you have nothing on. And I thought it I thought I kept thinking, oh it's horror movies. No, no, it's teen drama it's it's teen comedies. High school yeah. comedies. Yeah. I'm bad. If it were some yeah, if it if it wasn't a stupid movie that your dad wanted to see, you weren't gonna see it. No. <sighs> we watch movies so differently. It was that and so I, because I had to watch so much junk when I was doing that, then it turned into... We're going to take care of some of this soon. <laughs> but, but it turned into then I went and watched prestige movies because I was more interested in Oscar stuff. Yeah. Or foreign films. So we always get into this argument whenever we go to buy movies and that David wants to buy movies like great films. Yeah. Which is fine. That's great. You want to own those things. I buy movies that I'm going to watch. So it could be stu- like it's a lot of romantic comedies. It's a lot of a lot of just stupid crap. I've since stepped off of this policy, by the way, because I've I've come around to your way of thinking. I don't want to buy the movie if I'm never gonna watch it. Well, like there are some movies that are worth owning because they're so great. But I, if I'm buying it to have something to watch, I'm you know I'm not gonna sit down and watch The Dark Knight while I'm folding laundry. Some people do. That's fine. I mean, I'm not going to be like Pete Holmes and there will be blood. Let's try again. You're not going to sit down and watch The Passion of Joan of Arc while you fold laundry. Fuck no. I'm going to turn on The Big Bang Theory. However, The Passion of Joan of Arc is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen and made me tear up. 
And it's a silent film, so there's that. Lame. It's beautiful. Okay. I want to watch movies to be entertained. And that's fair. I... Because, like, sometimes when we're picking out movies, you're like, oh, and I want... Like, I wanted to see Baywatch. And you're like, no, let's go see... I was like, no, I don't want to have feelings. I want to go see Baywatch. Yeah, and I've... And it's 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 been recently that I've turned around on that. Maybe it's just out of being tired and exhausted. I'm like, I don't want to think things and feel feelings. And that's not how I approach all movies when we pick them. But no. so, sometimes you're just like, I'm just not in the mood for feelings or thinking. No, I... The, the one thing is, I don't... I've had to get that way because we have to be picky about what movies we're going to see. And if we're going to be picky about what movies we want to see, I want to pick the thing that I'm going to enjoy the most. Yeah, we did used to go to the movies twice a week before we had children and, like, real jobs. And, you know, I used to I used to get Netflix all the time, but I would watch movies sometimes that I was like, I don't know anything about this, and I might specifically hate it, but I'm going to watch it mm-hmm. because people have said it's really good. And almost every time I wound up enjoying those movies, but sometimes it wasn't because I was entertained by them. A lot of times it's because I think they're beautiful. That's totally valid. Yeah. There's some movies that I'm like, I'm never going to make anybody watch this, but my God, this is gorgeous. Oh, and there's certainly been films where I'm like, this movie's not very good, but it's, but it's gorgeous. Exactly. Or or I really like the story, but the movie is crap. Yeah. Like, oh, and there's also movies where I'm like, the movie's kind of stupid, but I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But the thing, like... A View from the Top, which nobody saw, which is the movie where Gwyneth Paltrow is a flight attendant. And part of the reason why nobody saw it was that it came out right after 9-11. Nobody wanted to see a film about a flight attendant. Yeah. Even if it was supposed to be a comedy. I love that movie. Because it's just happy. And and fun. I think the best story we ever had was Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh. We went into that movie knowing nothing about it. No, no, no. The- no we... Well, we saw the trailer. We saw the trailer. I love Jason Siegel. But they specifically downplayed the trailer. They did not give away the jokes in the trailer. No. no. That was a good trailer person. We've been burned. And then we saw it. We saw that two times in the theater paying full price. Yes. Because it was that good. And we were surprised. It was fun. And we own that movie now. Of course I, we do. That's what I watch. Doesn't doesn't hurt that it's got Paul Rudd <laughs> on my list. Oh, Kunu. Kunu. Uh, anyway. Weather outside is weather. <laughs> it makes me so happy. So back to American Pie. Oh, fine. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's 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 it for me on the cast. I feel like okay. there's, there's, there's specific standouts, and then everybody else is just serviceable. Okay, so let's talk about... So each of the boys does meet their goal. Correct. They all have sex. <laughs> so let's talk about each one in each little couple individually. You're gonna have to. Okay, let's start suss this out from with me. Kevin and Vicky, the two that were dating. And she said, "I love you," and she made him say, "I love you" before she would give it up. What it? What do you want to know? How I do don't. You, I how, don't know where to start with this. How do you? Okay. How do you feel about their relationship? Um, stall. Stall. I don't... (laughs) How do I feel about their relationship? It's... It's a relationship. I don't know. What are are you... Do you feel something specific about it? That you you feel like you need to talk about? I think she's an annoying bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Because... Why is she an annoying bitch? Okay, I really don't like the fact 
So I get why she wanted to hear I, him say, I love you. But then the second he said, like, she knows he's kind of lying. Like, she's, like, he's only saying it because she's not going to have sex with him unless he says it. And then the very next morning, she's like, um, it's not going to work out between us. <laughs> like, they had a role reversal, and then he's all like, but I, I wasn't lying. I really do love you, Vicky. And it's just like, this is so obnoxious. Well. I really wish they didn't have that part in it. So it's 1999. Yes. The... The entire standard of what a relationship was going to be in high school mm-hmm. was was ide- was idealized in the culture completely differently. Like this is where I go. Superbad had it much better. Superbad comes up with that idea with Green. between the Emma Stone character and yeah. is it Michael Sarah? No, it's, it? no, it's, 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 Jonah it's, Hill it's the Jonah Hill Seth. character. Is it Seth? Yeah. It's Seth, because it's supposed to be Seth Rogen. And Evan. Yeah, no, (laughs) it took me so long before I realized that. (laughs) I remember watching that movie, and I've seen it like a thousand times. But yeah, it's them. Um, But it's, you know, they're much more realistic Mm -hmm. about... No, agreed. ...just being boyfriend and girlfriend. I think this, this movie still is holding on to that weird... And I don't know why. It's a weird bridge. Well, it's holding on to that that high school sweethearts are going to get together and be married forever culture. And then they were trying to subvert it, but in trying to subvert it, they just make it gross. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I didn't like her. I didn't like him either. Cause he's being a douche. And I like the whole thing of like when, uh, Natasha Leone's character's like, you know, maybe if you gave her an orgasm, you know, like she'd, she'd, she'd enjoy it. And, uh, He's all like, I'm pretty sure it's happened. And she's like, no. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. That's a very guy thing. Yeah. Okay. What about Oz and Heather? The the lacrosse guy and the choir girl. I mean, that's a a better romance story. That's the sweet one. It's a very sweet romance story. And it's, it's it's a decent story. They do it very well. Yes. Partially because Mina Suvari is a good, is a fantastic enough actress to pick up for the nothing Chris Klein leaves behind on the film. And I liked it that he did not tell his friends that they had sex. I liked that he kept that to himself. I thought that was very that was some growth. I kept I kept waiting for the typical for the typical turn for that character mm-hmm. of every movie. Usually, you have the trope of this guy gets better and then. He goes back to being stupid, which oh. he doesn't do oh. per se in this movie. Oh, the Danny Zuko? Yeah, I yeah. guess. I don't... I mean, it's just he's, he's you know, becoming more sensitive and then totally screws it up yeah. or was just making it up the whole time but then realizes the error of his ways. No, he does something stupid, mm-hmm. but he's still changing in the process. Yeah. That's credit to good writing. No, that was that was good. And that's well and, written. And I also liked that they showed that it doesn't have to be this big thought out thing. They weren't they weren't intending to have sex. That was not their original plan. Um and that they just enjoyed their time together. Yes. And then yeah. So that was nice too. Mm-hmm. And it was still nice and respectful. I do like at the beginning that part of their pack was it has to be had to be consensual sex. They they did say that, which and and everything that we've seen appears to be so. So that's good. Yes. Except for, well, no, he's 18. That's fine. <laughs> so Finch and Stifler's mom. 
oddly enough, it works. It's very funny. They play it up perfectly. Well, because of who Finch is. Oh, absolutely. He's, he is... he's the erudite oddball. Uh, he's he's too mature for for high school for girls. High school girls, yeah. So Stifler's mom is perfect. Yeah. That's just, they, it's just fun. But I and I know Stifler's mom becomes a much bigger character in the other movies. Against probably why I should see the sequel. Um, because Stifler's mom becomes a, becomes a much bigger deal, but they didn't give her enough screen time for me to care. We should have met her previously in the movie. I think that's part of my problem with this and movie. It, it should have been more of a conversation, though. We do have to give a shout out to John Cho, who is the MILF guy. <laughs> one of two MILF guys, but he's the more memorable one. And the term did exist before this movie, but this movie is one that made that like a big deal. I love John Cho. Ugh. I've always loved John Cho. I mean, it just, there's there's so much flyby in this movie, mm-hmm. and I know that's, one, because they had to cut a bunch of crap out yeah. to get it to an R, and two, because it's, you know, a teen comedy. Yeah. But there's so many characters that you just get nothing on, and then they're just there all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So, I, I yeah. That scene could have played better, but it it's a perfect match. And I do love that Stifler found out. Of course, Stifler finds he, out. He knows. Break. Also, oh! I love that. I love that Stifler is such a douche, but gets comeuppance at every single possible moment. Correct. The Normally, dude. that guy only gets one moment where he's finally taken down. No, the the high school bully turns out gets the raw end of the deal every single time in this movie. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. And then we have our last one, which is Jim and Michelle. Definitely the one that's played for comedy. It is, but then I... I don't know. I didn't, I didn't feel connected to her character at all. We didn't get enough of her. I would have liked to have seen... Um, well, because they just play her off, they just play her off as annoying and weird right up until the moment when she she gives the famous line about the flute. I was in marching band playing the flute. When <laughs> you never heard the end of it, did you? What do you mean? No. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I believe. Okay, so this these are the year before me. The the each group of instruments had their own shirts, and that group their back of their shirt said this one time at band camp yep i don't know how the parents let that one go through they probably didn't know they probably didn't or they or they were the cool parents who didn't care either one but that it was more it was more likely they didn't know that but that anytime was like they'd be like hey clarinets flutes this one time at band camp <laughs> and then every now and then you'd be telling stories and you would actually say the phrase so this one time at band camp and then you'd just be like oh fuck <laughs> fuck um, but I I don't know anybody who has done what she did. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> just, I need to I need to say that. But my my problem is that they they make her turn so abrupt that you don't care. No, I think that's what's so surprising about it is it's, it's funny. But it would have been nice to have seen more of her in the movie. My problem is it wasn't funny to me. I don't know why, but it just wasn't funny. You want to know why? Why? Because we've seen her on How I Met Your Mother. And saying those type of outlandish things is what Lily Aldrin does. That's true. 
She's a horn dog in that movie. In that movie, that show. In that which show, is adorable. Yes, we love we love Marshall and Louise. and in in a married tame way, but. You know, it's not it's not this where she's. It's not vul- no, it's, I don't think it's tame, but they're pretty dirty, which is funny. Um, they're constantly doing it. I mean, to be fair, the line, <laughs> the better, the funnier line for her is when they're getting ready to have sex, and she's like, "I got you two. I've got two condoms, so you're desensitized." No, I like I. My favorite line is, oh, "So are we gonna screw soon? Because I'm getting kind of antsy." Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite line of hers. Um. I thought I, it was fun because in the in the movie I was surprised because that's also so you you think she's playing Willow band Willow right and then even oh, more even more dorky band Willow oh absolutely she's definitely worse than than actual and, Willow and then and then you get this so okay. that's the cast well and those are the relationships okay okay what you got next that's it. I don't think there's much else to talk about. You don't have you don't want to talk about the gags? I don't care. They're infamous at this point. Yeah, okay, so what how did why did you think about the the pie fucking? That's the problem here is some of it's I've you've you, already heard this stuff. You already knew it. You already knew what was happening. I mean, I I I knew what was gonna come. <sighs> What's weird is that there are plenty of movies like this where mm-hmm. you know, you've already heard and know what's coming, mm-hmm. and then it still winds up being hilarious. It can happen. This is the big one. I mean, that, that and then him coming too quickly. That's funny. That was funny. That scene's amazing. What was great about that wasn't that it happened, because you kind of expected it. What was that it, he did it again? again? That was great. Um, that was the best part of that. And I won't lie, that scene is also very, very hot. Oh. Shannon Elizabeth does not make that scene unappealing. I didn't like her accent. No. It's dumb. It's dumb. It was unnecessary. Of course. But, yeah. So, I don't know. It's a mixed bag. Okay, so out of five, what do you give it? Oh, boy. Um. After thinking about it, mm-hmm. and spending a little more time with that not watching it and feeling like I don't understand why I'm supposed to laugh at this Mm -hmm. and then coming back to it being like I'm getting a little more out of it once I started to realize like this this feels a little more like dazed and confused it's an ensemble movie about actual high school kids Mm -hmm. who are going through this thing and yes there's funny moments but it's also in some ways very much a real drama Mm -hmm. um I'd say I'd give it three stars. Really? With the caveat that I also feel like I should watch it again at some point. Okay. Knowing what to expect going into it. Mm-hmm. Because if I know that, I feel like I might catch more and laugh more at it. Mm-hmm. I still laughed at it. And some of that is nostalgia laughing. Of course. Uh, I would probably give it a 2.5. You are harsh on the scale. I am. I am. Why only two and a half? Um, it's funny, and I still enjoy it. I, I enjoyed watching it again. I'm not going to watch it again. Does it ho- does it not hold up for you anymore? It's more. It's the nostalgia, more than anything. Um, and a movie like Super Bad, I think, is funnier. Um, and 
it understands the dynamic of the, the one thing about this is you've got a bunch of adults. Some yes. of them, some of them, I think were close to teenage. Well, because the oldest, the oldest person playing a teenager was John Cho, and he was twenty six. Well, I think, and part of it also is that, um, you know, the the mystery uh, and the mystique surrounding sex is gone. Yeah. <laughs> We could say that we've had children, so we have, we have children. <laughs> they didn't. The stork did not bring them. <laughs> so we're, we're sorry if there's children out there listening to this. I don't know why. Oh, we have an explicit tag. Come on. Um, but I mean, I yeah. I mean, it's that. It's like okay, I understand everything you're talking about, and it's like meh, whatever. I remember when I was a dumb girl too. <laughs> It's that it's it's that type of stuff. So it it's not funny. It's not as funny to me. To me, I think one of the things that comes up with this is there's there's always that issue of you've got adults playing high school actors yes. and it doesn't read right. And this movie suffers from that in a, a, a big big way. Uh, with 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 a few of the the actors more. I feel like it, it for every for every actor in it and for each of the different actors. Mm-hmm. There are many moments where you're taken out of it because you don't feel like these people are plausibly in high school. No, that didn't that didn't bother me. It bothered me. I think we've gotten used to seeing younger people playing high schoolers. Um, because super bad, even those you know, Michael Sarah and Jonah might Hill have been were twenty, but you know, even well at thirty years old, Michael Sarah, if he shaves that stupid mustache, he looks like he's twelve. I know. Even you look like you're twelve when you shave. Well, yeah, but the some of that, some of that is also how you play the character. True, and and some of it is just that some of these people are probably too far removed from these experience. Like you could go watch because that's the thing you could go watch Days to Confused. You had people in their 30s playing high school people and they were plausibly in high school well it also helps if everybody in the cast is playing Um, a different age and maybe and maybe that's where we're at here is that everybody was on a different wavelength and when that happens it's always gets weird and muddled nobody on in this movie is on the same level performance-wise. Exactly. If we had more consistent performances, then you probably wouldn't have cared. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's really where it comes to. There's, there's always that issue of if different people are giving different levels or tones of performance, it just winds up being messy. Well, we're going to have to watch American Pie 2. I think so. In part because this movie gave so many people uh, their their big break. Yes. And so between this one and the next one, I think some of them got a few more gigs, so they probably got a little yeah. more experience. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit more relatable story, probably. Um, I think you'll like the story a little bit better. I I don't remember all of it, but the, the main one that I like. Was really, you'll like that one. Cause okay. It's super cute. <sighs> I don't have much else on it. Yeah. At least I came around on it a little bit. No, that's fine. Because I was ready to just give this movie, like, a half yeah, a star. Yeah, you were, like, pissed. I'm just like, why did I waste an hour and a half of my time with this movie? It was super annoying because we had to stop with the last 15 minutes to go. I know. Oh, well. Stupid children. But, like I said, the, it, it, it really did grow on me a little bit. It's not a perfect movie by any standard. So that's what I, I do like when we've been doing these podcasts that we... This is one... 
that we don't record right after. No. Which is, I think is good because it allows us time to go look at trivia on IMDb. Which helps. Which investigates. It kind of paint gives you a little bit more color. Um, and then also lets you think about it a little bit more. Yeah. And which is helpful. And I never thought that American Pie would be the movie that I would need to think about a little bit more <laughs> one way or the other. But it turns out... <laughs> Turns out there's there's think. a little more depth to this movie than you expect. That's fair. Am I gonna need extra time to think about the depth of RoboCop? Maybe, to some degree. Okay. It it's uh, I mean we can say next week we're doing RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Paul Verhoeven doing his incredible so, police state satire. Okay, so I know we're watching the original, but are we gonna make it a double feature and watch the new one? No. From all I've heard, the new one is a piece of turd. Okay. And while the original is kind of a piece of turd in (laughs) certain ways, um, I mean, uh, let me ask you this: Have you seen Starship Troopers? Oh yeah. Okay. You are ready. Biggest turd in the world. You are ready for RoboCop then. Okay. Because same director. Yeah. Ten years earlier. Okay. And um, same level of social satire. So this is uh, the primer for Starship Troopers. Uh, to some degree, I mean, it's 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 very different <laughs> types of stories. <laughs> here's here's the thing, RoboCop <laughs> might be the best movie Paul Verhoeven made. That's sad. Uh, some directors hit it out of the park on the first one, and, and then everything they do no, is there's nowhere to go. Well, and he's a weird. He's either Swedish or Danish, but he's a really weird, creepy dude anyway. Because, you know, he also made Showgirls. Um, You've never seen that. No, I haven't seen Showgirls either. (laughs) (laughs) The list keeps growing. Um, Okay, okay, so funny funny thing about this list. I sat down today and I made, like, our entire release schedule through the end of the year. And we made a list of movies. And I've now blown it out of the water completely. And I... New okay, so the movies that we had picked, I knew, I tried to put them in order where we wouldn't have too many that were the exact same type of movie or cast right next to each other because that gets boring. Yeah. And I knew we'd probably be like, you know what? I'm really just I'm not in the mood to watch that this week. Let's let's pick a different one. That's fine. I knew that was gonna happen. Right. But now I'm like, I'm not watching any of those movies because I gotta make David watch this <laughs> shit. <laughs> now I can't make you watch She's All That and then Jawbreakers and Heather's all at the same time. No. But th- those are coming up. It's gonna happen. <laughs> um, so what I what I what I'll give you with RoboCop is simply just turn your brain off. Number one, I can do that. Turn your brain off because it's a very dumb action movie. But at the same time, uh, then once you've turned your brain off, be ready for some higher level thinking than what you're used to with a normal action movie. So I need to be stoned, is what you're telling me. No, just with Starship with Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. The thing that helps make it good is when you realize it's a satire, mm-hmm. not an action movie. And it's the same way with RoboCop. Okay. That's that's where I'll kind of leave it without diving too much into to feelings on it. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but it's definitely one that you should see. It's also, like, it, it's, it's a primer on how, I think, action movies were going to come in the 90s. Okay, question. Yeah. Did RoboCop before Terminator. No. Is this in between Terminator 1 and 2? Yes. RoboCop okay. was in the late 80s. Okay. So. Um, but a very different movie. You've never seen Terminator. 
No, I've seen Terminator and I've seen Terminator 2. I've seen both of them. Okay, did we fi- I remember for a while you had I know I hadn't fi- I hadn't seen him for a while. That. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't seen Terminator and I had seen Terminator 2 but only on television. Yeah, you got to watch it with the curse. So, I saw all of it. I've seen all of them now. <laughs> okay. T2 is still one of the best action movies ever fucking it is. made great. by far. Great. Terminator's really good too. But T2 It is, but T2's better. T2 changed the game for everyone. And as loath as I am to give James Cameron credit for anything. (laughs) I know, I don't like it either, and we'll talk all about that when we finally watch Titanic. (laughs) That's, that's, I have some shame I'm going to need to release about that. But anyway, let's, let's leave it at, get ready for an awesomely gruesome shoot-em-up movie that also manages to get some good social satire in. Down for that. Huh? Cool. Alright, so this week, we went to the theater, and we saw It. Yes, we did. A group of bullied kids band together when a shape-shifting demon taking the appearance of clown begins hunting children. Mm-hmm. It's scary. <laughs> you... He, I, was, I was prepared for the level of scaredness there would be. Mm-hmm. I didn't jump very much at this movie. Not that that, that was a bad thing, I but I was prepared. <laughs> and I covered my like the bottom half of my face with my sweater. <laughs> Let's start with this. You don't see scary movies very much. I don't. I don't like being creeped out. Um like I don't like like when I go to sleep, I don't want the doors to be open, I want all the doors shut. I don't feel like this movie was that creepy. That's a little creepy, but okay. So I don't like I don't like scary movies. Right. I generally stay away from them because I don't want to get nightmares. I don't want to be freaked out. And some of that came from like living alone and being you know a young girl in a college town type stuff. Like I just don't I don't I don't want to do any of that. I used to get freaked out watching Lost by myself at night and The Walking Dead. I can I cannot watch The Walking Dead alone. We don't watch that show anymore because it sucks. That's a different thing. <laughs> um, but this movie was really good. And I'm I'm different. I scary jumpy movies like this don't get me very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I just get kind of sucked into the plot line if mm-hmm. it's good. Um, whereas what hits me are, I'll just say it, the mind fuck kind of movies. Yeah. Where it gets into psychological territory, and then they're they're getting into really disturbing thoughts and ideas. Yeah. Those are what kill me. Yeah, like, The Ring fucked me up for a while. I had a bad night after watching that. Mm-hmm. It it messed with me. And, and it wasn't really, you know, the jumpiness or the scariness, though the near end of the, mm-hmm. the last few scenes of that movie are rough. Um, but it's the thought in the back of your head of, I watched that video, too. I'm gonna die in. Seven I'm gonna days. die in yeah. seven days. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit much. <laughs> it gets it gets in your head, <laughs> and that's that's usually what gets me mm-hmm. is when they start messing with your head about that stuff. Yeah. Also, I'll admit, and I haven't seen a whole lot of these movies, but movies around body horror, which is something's inside of you, that yeah. freaks me out. <laughs> oh yeah, because you're a little bit of hypochondriac. Yeah, not not like clinically so, but I I can imagine things about you know something crawling inside of me or something in the blood that would that would get me i've had children so i've actually lived that 
Um, I mean, you you drive this one. Where do you want to start with it? Let's start with the kids. Let's start with the kids. That are awesome. We've got uh, it's seven kids, right? It's a gang of seven. Yeah. Yeah. The the main character is Bill. Bill. Uh, I don't know who uh, you're looking at. Jaden Lieberher. He did good. I didn't like his haircut because it kept getting in his face in a weird way that mm. I didn't like. But he was great. He's a good every man. Yep. Character. Um, and then who's next? Well, we'll go down the list. Uh, we have Richie Tozer, Finn Wolfhard, who you will recognize from Stranger Things. His character is amazing. Mm -hmm. His character talks all the fucking time, and everything out of his mouth is a sex joke. Yes. Or something about his penis. It is hilarious. It's even more hilarious compared to Mike Wheeler from Stranger Things. Yeah. Who's like the nerdy... Nerdy, like, shy, quiet, more quiet character, unless, yeah. unless he's just with his friends. Um it would have been so easy for them to typecast him, and they did a perfect job of letting him do something different. Um, this is another Stephen King type thing, which mm -hmm. is what's you know. So there's that crossover there. He's wonderful and very playful. He's great. He's the one wearing the the thick bottle glasses. Uh, we've got Sophia Lillis as Beverly Marsh. She's the best one of all of them. Yes, she was wonderful. She's a very um, She's she's a girl whose father is sexually abusing her. Yes. And she's talked about in poorly in the community and she's you can you can tell how damaged she is, but she's still hopeful and she's an amazing actress. She fulfills every bit of that Stephen King flavor of you know, a character who is completely run down and torn apart mm -hmm. but is fighting to claw back at humanity. She's wonderful. Uh, Jeremy Ray Taylor as Ben Hanscom, a.k.a. New Kid. He was really good. Um, he didn't get a lot of meat, but he's... There's a lot of mystery around his character's origins, and I wonder if that's going to come into play later. I don't know, but he's the, he's the one of the group who figures out the history of the town. Yeah. Um... And, and because he's the new kid. He's the new kid. He didn't have anyone to hang out with, and this town is different, so he's been spending all his time in the library doing research. Right. And, and you know, I, I enjoy doing that type of stuff sometimes, too. He's He was good, he, and the actor did a good job. Yep. We have Chosen Jacobs as Mike Han... Is it? Yeah, it's Mike Hanlon, who is the homeschool kid. Oh, yes. He also didn't get a whole lot of meat. No. Um... Although, whew, that uh, killing the sheep. Yeah. Okay. So is that a CO2? Yeah, cartridge? it's a, it's a, it's an air okay. canister that's got a the it's it's an air canister with the bolt at the end. Okay. So the you plug in compressed air to a bolt, and then press the trigger. The bolt goes mm -hmm. into the animal's head, instantly kills them, painless, and yeah. it's considered a humane way to slaughter an animal. Plus, it's it's easy to do because you can refill that chamber and use it later yeah so that was he was he was that guy and that that's his weapon of choice against the against it um i mean the big thing about his character is he's an outsider yes. and that's amplified by the fact that he is black yes um 
which I don't know that they play so much on that in this movie. I think it's just a an, an even added tension with that character. It did. Especially in a small town in Maine. This is supposed to take place in the 80s, so some of that makes sense, especially with his backstory. He's an orphan. His parents died in a fire. Um, I'm just trying to think if maybe if they had, casting-wise, if they had switched him and the new kid. Yeah, I don't it know. It might have been a little bit better. Uh, we've got Jack Dylan Grazer as Eddie Kasbrack. Who is the kid who has all the diseases in the world. According to his mother. According to his mother. He was adorable. Perfect. He was perfect. Before we go any further, we should probably say. Oh, uh, we're going to spoil the entire movie. Let's just, we're going to get into There's we're gonna no get way into for us to fully talk about this without getting into all the stuff that happens. And we've and we've put we've put on there a big warning. So if you haven't seen this movie and you intend to and you really want to or you want to knowing nothing, which I did know nothing about this story mm-hmm. or this movie going into it, um, which I think was great. Um, then, you know, maybe tune out. <laughs> yeah. Um, just just hang back and then listen to it later once you've once you've gotten a chance to see it. Yeah. Um, and then finally we've got Wyatt Olaf, who is Stanley Uris, the Jewish kid. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't bad, but he didn't get a lot of meat. So he gets he gets one interesting thing near the tail end, which is that he's the one who just wants to walk away clean from it. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, the other the other thing we might... The one specific character we should mention is Nicholas Hamilton, who played Henry Bowers, the bully. Oh, the main bully. Dude, that kid plays Psycho so well. The mullet helps, too. Uh, 1989 with the mullet. Oh, but we're, we're forgetting the biggest casting thing we need to talk about. Well, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. We're still going through some of the townies and the kids. Mm-hmm. Um... The other the other kid that we should mention is Jackson Robert Scott, who plays Georgie. Oh yes, he's the one who's in the preview who gets sucked down first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Georgie is Billy's brother. Mm-hmm. And he's the first kid we notice go missing. Mm-hmm. Though we know he's not missing. And anyway, everybody else in the movie, I mean everybody else in the movie, it's a lot of no name actors. Yeah. A lot of never heard of these people before mm-hmm. which makes sense especially for a horror movie like this you wouldn't want it um in horror films you don't want someone too recognizable because you either assume they're going to make it through the way all the way through or they're going to be the first one killed it's 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 a perfect genre for brand new actors correct and now we get to the biggest casting of all pennywise the clown mm-hmm. the dancing clown pennywise the dancing clown played yes. by bill skarsgård of the Scars Guards. Brother of... Alex. And oh, what's his other brother's name? And son of Stellan. He's got several brothers. There's a lot of them. Brother of Alexander, Gustav, Sam, El- Aya, and Walter, and son of Stellan and me, M-Y. Mm-hmm. But Gu- so Alexander, people know, I think, from True, True Blood. Blood. And he was recently on Little Big Lies. Gustav is in uh, Vikings. Oh, okay. He plays this kind of weird nomad homelessy type character. He's very cool in that, oh, in yeah. that show. Um, and then Stellan has been in Everything. all sorts of stuff. 
Uh, Both he's, he's, big Hollywood and I mean thing, the big thing. The thing that know. I think of instantly is he's in Thor. <laughs> he's the he's the scientist he's, who yeah, the has been looking kid. for Thor. Yeah. Um, but he's also been in tons of, of stuff in Europe and yeah. and big big things like that. So Bill is the youngest brother. He's also the shortest brother, mm. which is kind of funny because he's still pretty tall. And uh, I mean he's fucking creepy. He's amazing. So we did we did have some interesting things here. I had a hard time understanding him. I did not. And I'm usually the one who can't understand every anything. He's got a very deep growling voice. Um, he's doing something very specific he's talking, with his dialect. He's talking out of his his throat. It's like he's almost probably he's he's talking out of his throat specifically and targeting that and then just putting it out through there um well and he is wearing dental prosthetics so that's definitely a part of it but okay the look of pennywise is phenomenal yes um because on the one hand you could see how that could be charming and in the non-creepy clown way yeah but then with the way he moves and talks it's very creepy Mm -hmm. it's great he did a wonderful job his physicality is also amazing. Yes. And there's a little piece of trivia that he was he is actually able to move his eyes independently. <laughs> they, that was a trick that the director wanted to be able to do. Um, so like, oh, we'll just have to do that CGI. And Bill was like, I can do it. And they showed him. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. That's not creepy at it's all. It's super creepy. Um... He's he's great. Um, so this movie went through a few iterations. I mean, first of all, everybody there are lots and lots of people who remember that this was a TV movie before any. It's a of little this. miniseries. And Tim Curry played Pennywise. That's one of the biggest things left with his legacy. People are like, that's one of the greatest things he ever did mm-hmm. was play Pennywise the clown. Um, we saw. <laughs> Um, we'll admit we love the Alamo Draft House. So when mm-hmm. we were there, they had you know they're doing their little previews, and they showed like an old <laughs> CTV Canadian trailer for it, and it was just like this looks not great. No, and then they also showed the warning they played before the television to be like <laughs> some of this material may be questionable for young viewers, and I'm like oh yeah I remember when they used to do that, but they'd just show whatever anyways. So um, I think the big thing that y- that we had talked about a little bit beforehand, Carrie Fukunaga, who um, did the entire first season of True Detective, mm-hmm. uh, was originally the director on this movie, I believe. Uh, he wrote the he, script. He wrote he wrote a new adaptation uh, and was going to direct, and then creative differences. Yeah, for a lot of different reasons, including... Some of which, and we don't have to get into specifics with it, but he wanted to do the novel almost as written. He which... wanted to do more of the graphic, violent stuff. And I think the studio was like, if no, we... we're not doing that. We're, it basically would have come down to, we would have to put slap an NC-17 and commit to that with this type of a movie, and we don't want to do that. No. Um And I will say, one of the great things is, the guy, first of all, the guy they got who, to direct it, and he, Andy Muschietti. Um, the biggest thing he's done was a horror movie called Mama. Oh, yeah. 
um, which looked creepy as fuck. Yeah, which is why we didn't go see it. Uh-huh. I can't do creepy. Um, but this was this was his follow up to that. Mm-hmm. Here's one of the things he did so well with this movie, is that he got those violent things without having to show them. Yeah, he let your imagination fill in some of the gaps, which was good. That um, that made all the difference. Because otherwise, I think this movie would have been just too gory, too gory, and almost too. And hard that's to not watch. what this is supposed to be. I mean, Pennywise is playing off of what your fear is. Correct. And Pennywise is not an actual clown. No, he's an idea. The clown is the form he chooses to take. Yep. Um. Probably because so many kids are afraid of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just who he likes playing around as. and Okay, I can buy that. Um, you know, and one of the characters is actually afraid of clowns. Right. So it works. I mean, you know. It's... It, it, I mean, it was really good. I was surprised by how much I liked it, even though I was freaked out the whole time. Um, I knew what the story really was. I knew what was happening. I knew it was how it was going to end. But I was still freaked out. And so that's a credit to the film. Even uh, Stephen King said, um, I wrote the damn book and I still got freaked out. <laughs> I love Stephen King. He has a wonderful perspective on himself. He's, <laughs> he he's, really does. I mean, to be fair, he's been through hell and back. So Full shizzle. Just so you know, don't ever go to Maine because you're going to die. <laughs> or be tortured. That's why he's, that's why he's written all those books because he basically was tortured for a long time. Uh, not by I his still, own volition. I still love the story of the car that ran him over. Mm. Those of you who don't know, about probably almost 20 years now, he was in a hole. He was walking alongside the road, not far from his home, and he was hit by a van. Yeah. Uh, he almost died. Yes. He bought that van and beat the shit out of it. Because that's the kind of guy he is. I respect that tremendously. And what's even crazier is right around that time is when he wrote what people think is the best book about writing ever written, which is on writing. Yeah. In that period, that's when he wrote that. It's just like, seriously, dude. The man, the man is a machine, and I think we 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 touched on this a little bit after we watched the movie. But I think what's so cool about him is, you know, there's tons of best-selling crank them out authors mm-hmm. out there like Dean Koontz and John Grisham and they all write fine books John Grisham was never on the set of Liberty Death Plane still there's <laughs> there's lots of writers like Stephen King out they're, there they're who just write... pr- they're just production factories exactly um, and so you know I, I personally really like John Grisham some people really I like too. some people really like Danielle Steele and love reading those books um, Joyce Grafton or somebody like that it's the thing that sets Stephen Sue King... Sue Grafton. Sue Grafton. But the thing that sets Stephen King apart mm-hmm. is that there is so much psychological depth to all of those characters. And there's another story being told. Correct. There's always there's always something deeper yeah. being being touched on. And, and this one, it's a little different for each kid. They are all grappling with things that they're scared of. They are coming of age. They're... they're solidifying their friendship but I also feel like that they're at least for Bill the main character he is grappling with the fact that his brother is gone and his home has stood still he talks about you know I have to live in this house where my brother's toys are still there his room is still there like 
Yeah, that would be that would be hard. And he's like, I would rather go into this nightmare factory than have to home. than have to go home and walk in and see my brother's room yeah. still sitting there. Yeah. Um, and that's you know that's of course the the big the big speech that all the kids join him on. They're like, yeah, this sucks. Let's go. Um. And each one, one by one, they finally face down their fears. Yeah, it was, um, well, it was funny. We were, we were talking about Stephen King, and I said that, you know, I, I've, I've spoken here before that I used to work at a bookstore. And I, I worked um, at the bookstore when the final Harry Potter came out. So I got to work that whole thing from top to bottom. I got to plan our uh, release party and got to help run that show. And that was one of the best things I think I've ever done in my professional career. And Stephen King wrote a letter to Harry Potter fans and J.K. Rowling um, at the conclusion of Harry Potter. And it was one of the most beautiful written things I've ever seen in my life. And I just thought, you know, that battle between Benny, when all the kids are, are fighting Pennywise at the last, it's like he's trying to fight each one of those kids with what they're most afraid of. And he's getting confused. what's weakening him. That's the same thing as a boggart in Harry Potter. That's how you confuse and defeat them. He can't decide which person to go after, so then he gets confused. Yep. And I was like, of course. Of course J.K. Rowling got some of that from Stephen King. And this, we know they're friends. And this is where we'll totally get into spoilers there of, you know, the that battle scene. We've been and... spoiling forever now. <laughs> that battle scene is is wonderful. Um, the kid, you know, uh, kids are like, oh, we're not scared of you. Yeah. And you're going to starve. That's what you're scared of. And it's just it's phenomenal. That's when he realizes he has to get away. Pennywise, at least. Yeah. Pennywise gets away. Um, so, I, there's not much more to talk about with the movie than that. Other uh, than Other we, than breaking down plot details. Was there anything you didn't like? didn't like the bullies because I think they took it too far like there's a scene where the main bully is his plan is to carve his name into the new kid's belly he's a chunky boy so he's got a big gut um and I was like that's not fucking okay it's not but and, <laughs> and my concern is that Whatever, there's going to be some psychotic kid who sees this movie and is going to think, oh, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I, 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 I would say that. I thought however, that was too far. But here's what I would, I would counter with, mm -hmm. is I feel like, remember that the movie's set in 1989? No, I get it. I think that's legit things. That's something that actually has happened. <laughs> Oh, I know shit like that happens. I just and like, especially do we, do we need to put that part on screen, even in a horror film? Like, do we, uh, I didn't like it. It made me feel creepy. I don't like it. True, I think though that's the point. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I still don't have to like it. I think that's one thing. That's one thing I will say about this movie is there are there are things that you want to be like. Oh, I just feel like this goes too far, and then you're like, but no. At every point when you start to kind of turn it in your mind, you go. No, they played that just kind of exactly how they needed to. Yeah. They 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 pushed that line as hard as they needed to. Um, the the bathroom with the blood was just that was nuts, intense. Awesome. Um, 
and uh, and lots of you know, if you like being scared, there's lots of good moments for you there too. Blood jumpies. So now we get into I think what's the most fun part <laughs> of okay, this whole thing. So in the original series, it's being told by the adults who survived this, and it's flashbacks to what happened with Pennywise. Okay, no, something I didn't know. That's my understanding. I've never seen it. Okay. So in this film, it's this the it's the eighties, but this is taken as present day. These are the children. We know for a fact that they're going to do a sequel. That's going to be called Chapter Two. And you see it at the end of the movie. Yeah. That's the big. That's the big reveal. Is right at the end. It goes it Chapter, chapter One. one. <laughs> um, and so the the idea is that it's going to be 27 years later when all these kids have grown up because at the end of the movie they've made a pact that they're going to return if it comes back because they're like we don't know if we actually killed it because he just kind of goes away um we're, we're going to come back and we're going to fight it and we can talk about it it being this fear this mm-hmm. this demon that that feeds on the fear of the people in dairy um, kids especially but the other the other important thing with that is that it based on the historical records it shows up every 27 years mm-hmm. and then and then disappears after that okay. um so the fun part here is who plays the adult kids exactly so uh as part of some trivia it's on it's on both the the, the one that was just released and the one they're going to plan on doing. And so the... Oh, sorry, they, go ahead. They were... They asked the kids who they would want to play the adult versions of themselves. Okay, so the best way to do this is we'll go one by one uh-huh. and debate it and then see if we if we come up with a better idea. Okay. This first one you're not because this is perfect. Okay. Okay, it's Finn Wolfhard who played Richie Tozer. Mm-hmm. He says Bill Hader. Yeah. That's too perfect. That's good. There's no one who's better than that. That's Perfect tonally and in look. Perfect. Um, Sophia Lillis, who plays Beverly Marsh, she says Jessica Chastain. Okay, so I... I think that's a little too old. Okay. And and I love Jessica Chastain, and I'm not saying she's too old. I'm saying she's, she's not the right age to play this character. Um, but I also don't think... She can play that type of vulnerable. I also don't think the look was right. The second I got out of the movie theater, the person I said was Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think that's good. Because the look is mm-hmm. so similar. And fun fun story, Maggie Gyllenhaal is younger mm-hmm. than Jessica Chastain. By how much? One year. Oh, interesting. Jessica Chastain is 40 and Maggie Gyllenhaal is 39. 39. They just have such different looks. But Maggie Gyllenhaal, the eyes... It's no, the no, eyes no, no. that got me. No, I get you. I get you. Um, and also, I think Jessica Chastain plays clean, too clean. <laughs> and Beverly's not a clean I don't character. know. She's done some dirtier stuff. I, you know what I mean. We haven't seen Zero Dark Thirty. I'm not going to. She plays a uh, CIA person. She's not playing that dirty. Okay. Next one is Chosen Jacobs, who plays Mike Hanlon, the okay. homeschool kid. He says Chadwick Boseman. That's not bad. It's a little buff. You know... This would be it. I'm not going to get into this one. Because I feel like if I say anybody, it's just a bad idea. And nobody nobody comes to the top of mind for me, per se. Chadwick Boseman is a really good choice. He's a great choice. I think this is also a place where picking a comedic actor would be great. And I feel like someone like uh, Donald Glover would be 
phenomenal in this type of film. The only person that also comes to mind is um, we saw Get Out. Mm-hmm. Daniel K- Daniel Kaluuya, who is the oh, lead yeah. in Get Out, yeah, might be really good in that. That could be good. Um, One of those dudes would be cool. All right, whatever. Um, Jack Dylan Grazer, who played Eddie Kazbrack, okay, says, Hi. says Jake Gyllenhaal. No. Hmm. This is where you really do need a comic actor. This is where somebody like uh, a Billy Eichner would be awesome. Someone who could play... Because this kid is wound so tight. It's not his fault, but he is wound tight. Ooh, no, I have a better one. (laughs) I'm a genius. Say it. Fred Savage. Yeah. He'd do great. He would, look-wise, he's perfect. And I would love to see him in a horror film. (laughs) He started acting a little bit more now. Oh, he'd be so good. Oh, I love Fred Savage. Or even, God bless, we watched America Pie. Jason Biggs would be fun too. He would be good. And he's got he's got a little bit more darkness and depth to him. This would be it might play well. This could be good. Okay, Wyatt Olaf, Stanley Uris, says Joseph Gordon Lovett. I could see that a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of of other people who might be able to play that kind of a. A, a very shy, nervous character who is reluctant to continue to be involved. Hmm. They gotta fit our other actors we've chosen too. There's, there's gotta be some somebody a little more dramatic for his character because there's gonna be some deep conflict that that character gets hmm. into. And also, I'm trying to think of curly-headed actors because <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt does not have curly hair in any way. He's adorable, though. There's this thing called costuming and makeup. Still. I know. <laughs> you think of anybody else on the top of your head for that? No, that one's hard. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Ray Taylor, who played Ben Haskam, the new kid. Okay. Says Chris Pratt. But only if it's Fat Pratt. It's got to be Fat Pratt. <laughs> Andy Dwyer, Fat Pratt. He's got he's to gotta gain weight. Unless they, they totally can... joke through that. Yeah. He's got the comedic skills to do it. He would have to soften up. I wouldn't he, say... He needs to gain like 20 pounds. in his face. The problem is his face. It's too chiseled right now. Yeah. He needs some chunk back on his face. They can pat his gut. Right. Just don't work out for like three months. It'll be fine. Eat some cake. But yeah, I... Just eat some feelings. It'll be fine. But I would say like, just, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to lose any of that muscle definition. We're just never going to see you with your shirt off again. Correct. No beefcake moment for you. All right, and then Jaden Lieberher. Lieberher. Uh, yeah, I know. It was hard. Uh, who plays Bill. Says Christian Bale. No. Did I say hard pass? <laughs> uh-uh. No, sir. I'm trying to think. Who would I like? Per- you know who would be perfect to play him? Who? <sighs> Adam Scott. Lanky. Straight man. Adam Scott would be better for Eddie. No. I don't think so. Or for or for the Bill Hader character. No, that for Finn Wolfhart for Ricky Tozer, Bill Hader is perfect. I just Adam perfect. Adam, Adam Scott doesn't. He's just the first one that comes to mind. Okay. It's it's Adam Scott's really got sharp features. He does. And it you need somebody more round in a weird way. I get what you're saying. You need somebody softer. 
I get you. I'm trying to think. Ugh. This is, I'm going to have to think about this one for a while. You got to go with, you got to go through like younger actors and, and, or somebody who's kind of got a baby face. Yeah. No, no. I get you. I get you. Because that's the other thing. Adam Scott's kind of stubbly in a weird way. By choice. You can shave that shit off. Hmm. Oh, we got to think of at least one. No, I'm trying to think. What if we got Bill Skarsgård? That would be funny. <laughs> and kind of creepy, but Bill has already signed on to do the second movie. Oh, of course. He has to. Hmm. Nope, I got nothing right now. Wow. You know, thinking back to our other people, does Adam Driver fit any of those roles? No. Okay. Just thinking back to other movies we've seen recently. No, Adam Driver isn't the right fit for this. Maybe one of the Francos. One of the Francos could play Stan. Dave Franco could play Stan. Yeah. The Jewish kid? Yeah. That'd be good. I'm I'm literally flipping through scenes on IMDb here. <laughs> of like random people and things. <laughs> That's funny. Um <gasps> Oh, that would be good for uh the hypochondriac kid. Who? Andrew Reynolds. Okay. I love him. So, I don't know. I think... But, yeah. Christian Bale... Christian Bale's such an angular... And he's definitely too old. Deep care... Yeah. Definitely too old. Because let's say... Okay. So, the the other thing we have to caveat with is... So, they're all supposed to be about 12 or 13? Yeah. Junior high. Give or take. Maybe 14, 15. Because they all seem younger junior high. Yeah. So, maybe 7th, 8th grade. Okay, so 12, 13, 14, which means in 27 years, they'd all be... Almost 40. Okay. So we need actors in between 30, 45 range. Yeah. Depending on the actor. 50 if they've got very, very young features. Yeah, enough of them do. Yep. I don't know. That's going to be the big thing is who do they cast? Who do they put in those roles? It's going to be really fun to watch. If they get Bill Hader, I'll be so happy. And then what will be really amazing is the fears that they play off for those older characters. That's going to get intense. <laughs> so we have watch kids dying again. Because they'll have kids. That's going to be their biggest fear. Mm. For most people, anyways. Um. Oh, well, the other one is going to be everyone finding out that that one kid's gay. <laughs> We're pretty sure... That the new kid is gay. No, I... Mm. We got some hints. We think maybe, but then again, I also think he could just... The the other side of that is they play it up as a conflict because mm-hmm. we haven't read the book, so yeah. this may be in there, and I don't want to th- throw this out there without cave- somebody coming up and being like, you guys just, you guys didn't read the book. Um, it could be that it's a later conflict between him and Bill. That that's, that's, that's got to come up between them as they're both in love with... Beverly. Beverly. Eh, whatever. So. But that's going to be someone's fear for sure. Um. I don't know. That's it. That's it with it. It was good, though. I was surprised by how much I liked it. It's a really good movie. The good news is it's also getting lots of good reviews. Mm -hmm. It's getting good box office. And this has been a terrible year for movies. So 
in terms of in terms of the budget. The box office has been horrible to the movies. Just, so you know, but you know, it, Wonder Woman still broke everyone's record. So it's the only one that did really any good money. Um, but this is doing good business, which bodes well for them to be able to pour some money into a sequel with good casting. Yeah, they won't. And I'll, and I'll say, if they get a bunch of unknowns who are in their 40s who do a really good job, that'll be really fun to watch, too. I'll probably get one or two. I would love... Okay, I just hope... Okay. I need a Kathy Bates cameo as hypochondriac kid's mom. <laughs> That's, I need that in my life. I'm sorry. Just do it because it's funny. Uh, uh, give give me that that and Bill Hader I'll be happy. You well, know, that, that's okay. You might not you you might I'm you might, not, but I don't care. Unfortunately, you might not get as much funny as you hope. Though they did a pretty good job of balancing some humor into this. That's why they need to get Bill Hader. I give him good credit. Character, because you know what? He's gonna grow up, and none of that will have changed. So I mean, next up, right? It's Lego Ninjago. Lego Ninjago, Battle of the Sexes, and Kingsman, which we're probably we're going to turn Kingsman into a double feature like we've done, um, like we did with Robocop. Yeah, because I haven't seen the original Kingsman. You have. Yeah, and I only watched it because I was homesick one day. I was like, oh, it's on HBO. I'll watch that. That's pretty good. But that'll be good for for because I'll want to catch up before yeah. you see that. Battle of the Sexes. I mean, that's I I think of those three, that's the one that I'm like, if we don't get to it right now, that's okay. That's It'll come back around for Oscar season. I'm sure. Oh, don't get in the stomach. I don't think they're going to give it to him. I think they're just going to get on the list because it's one of those movies. Here's the thing. The most the movie I'm most excited about for the Oscars is The Disaster Artist because I want to see where that goes. I'm looking so forward to that film. It's not even funny. Guys, go watch the trailer. I know many people who listen to this may be obsessed with The Room. We're not. We've never seen it. But based on this trailer, I, I almost want to go watch the movie and I definitely want to read the book. Yeah, I'd be willing to read the book. I probably don't want to see the movie, which I know sounds weird. But I think what it looks both incredibly stupidly funny and at the same time earnestly amazing. Yeah. Because it's about a guy who just wants to make a movie. Yeah. Despite all of his ineptitude. <laughs> and Hollywood loves that. Mm-hmm. So it could be it could be a huge surprise Oscar hit. Hmm. We'll see. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com.